most popular destination for MMORPG, real-time turn-based strategy, pixel platformer action adventure, shoot them up, MOBA, tower defense collectible trading card, roguelike, PvP free-to-play, battle royales, and if you even know what one of those words means, you've probably unsubscribed by now. Without further delay, here are the only two podcast hosts who play massively multiplayer online games for fun, Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. Hello, everyone. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. For a little background, Allie and I had a live comedy show in the before times called Blogalogs, where we use the <laughs> internet as our script. Hi, Matt. Nice to see you. Hear you, too. Uh, before times. Well, Have you what ever is... heard that, Matt? There's no, the before I love it. times, and then there's now. Yeah, uh, BC and, and AC, mm-hmm. before COVID and after. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well, are you marking before times uh, before 2016 or or before 2020? Very good question. Uh, I was thinking 2020, but yeah. you make a it's great a, point. Yeah, a great point. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, what is even happening with live theater? You know, what will happen to live theater comedy? Um, but anyway, we had a show where we used the internet as our script and performed in front of a live audience. We wanted to meet the people behind the posts, uh, so eventually we created a web series called Two Girls One Show. You can find it on Hoo Ha Ha. We met those people uh, in interviews and then went on scripted adventures. And now all of this has become, over time, this podcast that you're listening to right now, where we are interviewing people behind internet communities and phenomena that we find interesting. Uh, We're here with Matt Silverman and The Daily Dot. Hello again, Matt. Hello. (laughs) Guys, I hate to say it, but today's topic is morbidly relevant to the before and after times. Mm -hmm. We're talking graveyards today. That's what's happening. Did I just bring everyone down? Is everyone having fun? How's your day? Yeah. Oh, do I have the air horn? I do have it ready. Here you do. <laughs> Graveyards. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just thinking. I read a really depressing article earlier. I'm already in. Who like, didn't? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think you just mean an article. Yeah, because <laughs> they're all depressing. Jen yeah. read this morning. I won't bore you with it, but it was basically like how COVID is the unraveling of America, as cool. you know, which I think we all probably are thinking about. Anyway, it's Rolling yeah, Stone. Well, Check I mean, it out. I think Trump is the unraveling of America. And then COVID was just like nail in coffin, brought it right back to graveyards. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but this article is saying Trump is just a symptom of what was already happening. I don't know, guys. That's anyway, true. that's true. Yeah. So, but graveyards. Okay. But Let's take it back a little bit. So everybody, you know, I don't really play video games that much. I know, Allie, you've been trying to get a Nintendo Switch. How's that going? <laughs> Not well. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't actually want to buy one and pay for it. Mm, I see. I want see. someone yeah, else yeah. to send me one. Yes. Wink, wink. Wink. No, just- <laughs> Trivia prize. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't seem to get a Switch anywhere. I know they're out of stock. No, I just don't want to pay money. <laughs> I don't want to buy it. I just bought a new dining room table, bitches. I can't get a Switch, too. Ugh. Exactly. You can't play yeah. video games on a table. My table looks yeah. so good. 
I know. Post you know you're in your 30s when. Ooh. But so Matt clued us into something very cool called Eve Online. We're clearly behind the trend here because this game has been around since what, 2003? Is that right, Matt? Uh, 2000. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 2003. So we've learned a little terminology. We know it's an MMO. Uh, it is a massively multiplayer online game. It is one of the longest running virtual communities around, uh, unified virtual communities around, which is obviously interesting for us here at Two Girls, One Podcast. And also, Matt, you clued us into the fact that people who don't even play the game still follow the politics and wars of the game from the outside. So... Matt, we're going to pass it to you now. Could you just fill us in a little bit on what the, what happens in this game, what it's all about? Internet spaceships, baby. <laughs> okay. That's all you need to know. Really? Okay. No, no, just kidding. You, you know what it. I learned? You know what I found out? Uh, mm-hmm. Second Life came out like two months after EVE Online. So like these two gaming worlds their worlds virtual worlds have been around for that long and still kicking still going as we've learned on previous episodes uh eve is just so fascinating because it's literally like here's here's it's not quite a galaxy it's like seven thousand star systems here's a here's a space world here's a spaceship go and you can do whatever you want the the economy is is completely player uh run uh the politics as you said that you can join a corporation you can go to war and it's like there's no like there are like little quests and stuff that you can do but it's different from other mmos where it's like go here kill this monster and then come back and get your gold and join a clan or whatever like this is like like the the the, the developer that makes this game has like economists on the staff to make sure that the in-game economy doesn't like implode on a regular basis because it's real everything that happens is real people doing real things and i have been fascinated by it for years i've covered it in the media like when the huge battles would happen i'd write about them occasionally and i've tried to play it like two or three times and people say it's like playing a spreadsheet so like you're in a spaceship and you're flying around space but you're not like pew pew you know playing star wars you have like six menus open with like walls of text and you're looking okay this gun does like a slightly more damage but i gotta modify my shield and my hull has a fitting that's going to make it a little more powerful but i need a mining beam to get the astro like it's this kind of game that fills your whole brain and i love that and have never been able to fully grasp it and now i'm starting to dabble and then i came across this amazing place yes. which is we, a cemetery yeah. for dead players don't tell us too much do you have some suspenseful suspenseful mo- movie trailer music that you could play oh i should um let me try this but this is the only button i have let me try it <laughs> does that work Allie, yeah could you i think give, that works could you give me an underscore ally of like a dun 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 all right let's do it i'm ready okay go, go for it I just started doing Jaws. That's the Pink Panther thing. (laughs) I think just like speed up Jaws, maybe. Wait, wait, hold on. I have something for you. I have something for you. Everybody, wait. Uh, Don't go anywhere. uh, How's everybody doing? (laughs) Fantastic. What are you doing? (laughs) I'm pulling up actual suspense music since Matt failed us. Go for it, Jam. Somewhere in the middle of space, there's a massive cloud of gravestones making up a virtual cemetery. 
For years, one player named Ozia Berge has been slowly gathering and transporting bodies to this graveyard for killed players in a specific solar system called Molia. She does this for fun. She puts them in cargo <laughs> canisters and labels them with messages from other players, like here lies so-and-so. Okay, we can cut the music. <laughs> that was good. Honestly, that was great. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, I might have taken really some good. notes in advance. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> mm-hmm, Look at mm-hmm. us preparing. I said us like I had anything to do with that. I obviously <laughs> didn't prepare. I had to pull up the music. You provided the music. Thank you. Yeah. I did. Um, no but thanks this- to Matthew. What is he here for? <laughs> <laughs> but so there's this one other aspect of this. So it started for players killed in the game, but it evolved to also commemorate players who died in real life. Is that right, Matt? Yeah, which is That's so where shit gets sad. Is so there a cool. COVID section? Well, we are going to ask. I'm I'm curious. Like <sighs> this has been covered in, you know, Eve um like websites that cover like the news that's going on. Like I think there's like I'm playing the game. I'm in the game. There's currently like a world war happening. I have no idea who's fighting or what's at stake, but like when you listen to an eve podcast or read a blog it's like holy shit can you believe this alliance is doing this and that and i'm like okay but then i discovered that the cemetery and you read about it and you're like oh that's really interesting we should like explore this for the show and then yesterday or the day before i went there there there's like 25 light you know starship jumps away from where (laughs) i'm based so it took it took like you know a, a little while to get there and you go there and it's such a it's such a peaceful, somber place. And then you fly into this cloud of, so it's canisters. You can eject uh, materials and resources into space if you like don't want them or you want to send them to another player. And people eject canisters and then they write names on them. And normally it's like, oh, here lies, you know, cool dude, 640 or like whatever, you're, you're, eve username and it's just people who died in the game and no, there's no penalty for dying you lose your ship and you start again but then there's like amazing graves where it's like here lies uncle johnny he was the father i never had rest in peace and that's like dates on it. it's like okay clearly these are players commemorating real family members who have died and and they can permanently commemorate them inside a virtual world because these canisters never they never delete they never deteriorate and then the other cool thing was that the developers of the game you know this was all player run it was player created and then finally the developers of the game just recently like in july were like we're going to create a static permanent monument in the game so there's this cloud of graves and then there's this beautiful statue that's like floating in space and it's kind of the developer saying like yes we we recognize this amazing achievement that the community has done and now it's just this beautiful somber solar system that you can visit and pay your respects and then uh fly away and go about your business it's really cool pop quiz what does this remind me of in real life that i did that was crazy that i also i think already shared on the podcast (laughs) it was burning man and i remember because it it was what was it exactly it was like a monument to people who had passed but it was also a piece of art and you saw a commemoration of my uncle who had passed away that somebody had put oh. up there and you sent a picture. Did I botch that or is that right? You nailed that story so hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Allie just like randomly turned her head and saw like Michael Palm, my uncle. And she was like, oh my God, took this picture and she had no reception. So she sent it to me like five days later or something. But like imagine that you are in, for instance, Matt, you went and visited this uh, this graveyard in this game and imagine there's like 
I don't know. Well, at Burning Man, I don't know that it's thousands, but there's like hundreds of pieces of paper all attached to this piece of art. And like the one that I happened to turn and look at was wow. Jen's uncle. It was so wild. crazy. So wild. Yep. So today we're speaking with Jay Marshall, who is a player of the game. He's actively involved with this cemetery, and we're going to get the scoop from him. I hope that was all clear. We did pretty good. You're playing a game. People die. They made a graveyard in the game. But now real people in the graveyard. But also <laughs> spaceships, man. Spaceships. Also spaceships. <laughs> calls, 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 calls. Oh, yes. I love this segment so much. Hey, 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 Allie. Hey, Jen. Hey, Matt. Um, I'm Andrea. I'm calling from Philly. I've called a couple times in the past, and I've been aired on your show. The honor. Um, I just called to tell you that I hope you never, ever, ever change the little intro that goes, well, uh, uh, uh. I always harmonize with it, and it is <laughs> addicting, and it is my favorite part of the show. I mean, that's a lie, because the show is you know yeah i was gonna say um but yeah i hope you don't ever change that and um i am still very thankful that i got the pleasure of posting that on my animal crossing town to sell him some turnips i still have the picture we took and it's uh iconic so i just want to tell you guys that i love this show so much keep up the good work i'll see you guys on discord see you there <laughs> Discord.gg slash 2G1P. Oh, um, yeah. We didn't talk about the fact that awesome. Matt, you went to her island, you little hussy. <laughs> Does your wife know about this? Um, I, I, there, was, uh, there was a 60% chance that my wife was actually going to go in my place because she's the one who manages our Animal Crossing turnip finances. But we made arrangements and I was able to acquire the turnips and then visited Andrea. She had a great price and also like a kick-ass island, may I say. Like most islands are just like, oh, I put a house here, cute, whatever. She really had a beautiful like a library, reading nook, a spa, A+. That's amazing. Also, Andrea, could you please call back and sing the harmony for us? And then maybe we could like overlay it one day. That would be so cool. <laughs> one day we'll we'll bake it into the show. It'll become part of the new theme song. <laughs> well, then you'll oh, be on every shit. time. Well, now that's a lot of pressure. And you just promised that, Matt. This is getting out of hand. Should we make that a Patreon, like a $50 Patreon perk? Well, like we'll bake you into the theme of the show if you, if you if go you that If you get level. baked into the theme of the show, I think you have to pay more. I'm just saying. <laughs> you also have to have a good singing you, voice. What if you have like 10 people who take that tier? What are you going to do, Matt? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You haven't thought this through. You haven't thought this through. You layer them all. It, everyone, you, you know, two, five people take the the, uh, the tonic okay, note. Okay, fine. You heard it here. If you donate $50 <laughs> on Patreon.com. Oh, that's not the right URL. <laughs> it's Patreon. It's Patreon.com slash 2G1P. Yeah. 50 bucks. And it's every month, okay? You will get baked into the show. I hope you all sign up for this because Matt even has if to you're deal bad, with it. Even if you're a bad you singer and you're totally off key. In the world, Matt's going to figure it out. <laughs> He's going to make you shine. Now, now check this out. Do you remember? I think I posted this in the Discord too. Like, this is the theme song that we use for the show you guys used for your web series. And it was so perfect for you. And then we were like, oh my God, what, we need to use this on the podcast too. So we yeah. use it. You purchased it from a music library. It was, you know, it's not, that's not cheap. You know, it's part of a, part of a system, whatever. And then do you remember when I texted this uh, YouTube video to you? From New Love, 
to lifelong friends. Moments together call for America's family favorite. Lipton, live alive. <laughs> Lipton? A Lipton iced tea commercial uses also our theme song. Bought the $50 theme song. Interesting. <laughs> I don't remember how much it was, but it couldn't have been for that national expensive. television. Wow. Lipton's fucking low budge, huh? How about that? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what? That makes sense because they are the low budget tea. Yeah. Uh, uh, shots fired. Yeah. Yeah. Jen, do you want to write epitaphs for each other an hour later? <laughs> mm. Well, now I'm superstitious about it because I'm like, if we do it later, we're not, we're going to die before then. So sure, let's just do it now. <laughs> okay. If you, if, if you were blown up in EVE Online, like if you were like warped into a system with very low security and then it's called getting ganked, okay? Another player <laughs> comes, out of the spa- comes out of space, uncloaks, uh, paralyzes your spaceship, blows you up, not only blows you up, but then blows up the little pod inside the spaceship where your body is, blows you the fuck up and you're dead. I got ganked. What you, what, you got ganked. <laughs> What is the epitaph on your space gravestone? I love that word. It sounds like shanked. Jamula. I'm really into it. She loves yeah. swamping and ganking. <laughs> Allie. She, here lies Allie. She loved bacon and uh, naming her plants. She survived by a family of googly eyes. Fair. Yeah. It's pretty accurate. <laughs> Uh, that didn't even make um, me sad is that weird (laughs) no it should make you proud yeah that's what i got right now i got a family of googly-eyed plants you also have a shirtless roommate (laughs) can i say that yeah i do yeah i do we already told the story right how i was video chatting with jen and he was shirtless in the kitchen and i was like jen i have to show you something and i just like tilted my screen so she could see him and he saw me do it and he turns and he goes (laughs) He goes, I do the laundry like this, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, we got to do some trivia. Let's get it going. All right. I know. I got to win that Nintendo Switch. I'm ready. Yeah. (laughs) You can put it on your dining room table. That's Mm -hmm. right. Today's trivia is about EVE Online, one of the oldest and longest lived uh, single server MMOs. Everyone's in the same galaxy together. It's, it's it's so cool. I love the stories that come out of EVE. And I have a story uh, of well-known EVE history from January 27th, 2014, on this date. Probably the largest battle in the history of EVE Online took place in the B-R5RB solar system. Now I'm saying probably, because there's a couple ways to measure like the biggest, but it's widely assumed that this was the battle that uh, involved the most players, 7,500 individual players, and the battle lasted for 21 hours. The resulted losses and damage to ships and property was worth 11 trillion ISK. ISK is the in-game currency. Uh, So, and at that time, 11 trillion ISK was roughly equatable to 300,000 US dollars. Now, I just want to clarify for those who don't play and for our hosts, uh, nobody lost real money when they uh, lost ships in the game. That's not how the game works. But this is sort of a comparison point because if you generate ISK in the game, you can then use that money to buy subscription time. So it's kind of like 
an indirect way to correlate ISK with dollars, and thus this battle cost 300,000 US dollars worth of damage. Now, this entire conflict was sparked by a single player named Manfred Sidious. He sounds like a dick. Today's question, what happened with Manfred Sidious to spark the bloodbath of BR5RB in 2014, the largest battle in EVE history and probably the largest player battle conflict in the history of MMO games? What happened? A, Manfred thought he was sending a funny meme to somebody in his corporation, but he accidentally sent it to an enemy alliance, which was viewed as an insult, which then sparked the war. B, Manfred's Ponzi scheme, which was scamming a rival corporation out of one trillion ISK, was uncovered by a corporate spy, which ignited the war. Or C, Manfred forgot to pay a security bill to the in-game police force, which left his space station vulnerable to attack. I'm not going to go with the bill paying because that feels too close to home. Uh, let's... <laughs> let's go with it. Patreon.com slash TG1. I'm going to go. Oh, great. I'm going to go with C. I'm going with A. The bill. And I'll go All with right. the meme. Okay. Jen goes with the meme. Allie goes with the with the missing bill. We will find out the correct answer. What sparked the bloodbath of BR5RB in 2014 after this commercial break? BRB5RB. <laughs> nice. In a galaxy. Right here. Where podcasts are being made on the regular. From my bedroom. Sometimes we need a few dollars. To help us. <laughs> Just exist. <laughs> Buy to buy groceries. Like our favorite uh, Trader Joe's. Pancake bread. There have been a few key people in the galaxy that have helped us buy this pancake bread. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level or above. Jerry Duran. Jessica Fox. Melissa Elliott James Dozier Christopher Latch Kathy Phillips William Why do you always get to say William? That's the most fun part (laughs) I know, do you want to say it? You say it No, next time the blue-eyed brunette in black leggings who asked you if Trader Joe's was still selling collard greens on Sunday, June 26th. While you checked in the back, I texted my roommate about the adorable produce guy at TJ's. You reported back to me the bad news. Then, while I decided on my alternate, you arranged all those greens. The kale, the romaine, the spinach, the microgreens! 
in the most immaculate formation I have seen. It was artistry of the type I see in pine cones. When I finally decided on the kale, I clumsily knocked another bag down with it, and you had it picked up and put back in half of the blink of an eye. Then I ran away. Just me, my regret, and my organic Tuscan kale. Allie, that How in some they ways get that ad that I wrote. I- I was going to say, it sounds like it might mimic your experience at Trader Joe's sometimes. This was last week know about for the me. Staff. Actually, it was 626, yeah. as the ad says. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you still frequenting, even though that you've moved now, you still go to TJ's pretty often? Well, you know, there is a pandemic going on. So I try to go less frequently. You know, I go like yes. uh, once every two to three weeks now, stock up as much as I can, as opposed to my, my once a week jaunt that I previously had. But, you know, I see. it's a pandemic. We all got to make changes. This is the sacrifice I'm making. Spacing out the joy. Mm-hmm. But it's weird that you're going to Trader Joe's when you go with a brunette wig and a and blue contact lenses. Like why? Uh, yeah. Well, I go incognito when I go to Trader Joe's, of course, mm, just for a little okay. mystery and magic, you know, because there's really mm-hmm, no entertainment mm-hmm. anymore other than going to the grocery store. I mean, in <laughs> fact, like this is the only place to pick up men. <laughs> if they're out, I, I, that's yeah. where they are. I, I, you're not wrong. <laughs> I assume. That's right. All right. So what is this trivia? BRB five B. Right. Yeah. Who B what? Wow, you're pretty good. Uh B <laughs> BR five RB. I had to rehearse that a lot because it's very hard to say. Uh the biggest battle in Eve Online history, perhaps the biggest bloodbath in the history of MMO games. Uh seven thousand five hundred players fought for twenty one hours. What started it? Uh was it a, a meme sent to the wrong place? That was choice A, a Ponzi scheme uncovered. Or C, uh, a forgotten security bill. Jen, you went with C. No, Allie went with C. I did. Right. Allie chose the bill. Jen went with A, the, the missing meme. Sticking with it. Sticking with it. The correct answer is C, the missing bill. Nice. Allie wins. Allie wins. I win it a lot lately. I'm a winner. She's on a streak. I'm a winner. Ooh, that's what <laughs> I like it. it. We got to bake you into the theme song. I'm a winner. <laughs> what did I get? What did I get? What did I you win? Get did a, I win a Nintendo a Switch? Free, you know, a free subscription to EVE Online. Cool. You get one month. Cool. Wow. Did Is I the get, first month always the, free? Yeah, this is going to ask. Yeah, it's, it's actually free to play. You can play like it for free man. as much as you want. God damn but then you have it. to like, upgrade. Is... Yeah. yeah. Useless. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> so useless. <laughs> Uh, I find this very entertaining. I I think you will, too. Manfred Sidious of the Pandemic Legion Alliance. Uh, This was long before the real pandemic, of course. Uh, Missed a security payment, which meant the sovereignty of BR5RB was up for grabs for a a window of time. Uh, This system was very strategic at the time because the station, it was like a staging ground for an ongoing war. So the space station there contained a lot of ships and resources. And if it was captured by the enemy, those ships would be trapped inside the station. They'd be unable to launch and join other battles. So it was very strategic location. Uh, so when this was realized, members of the Pandemic Legion were like very quietly trying to reclaim the system before anyone noticed it was vulnerable. But there was an enemy scout that had slipped into the system and alerted 
the enemy. So uh, they were very close to very peacefully and calmly reclaiming the sovereignty of the system. But with one hour remaining, capital fleets from the Clusterfuck Coalition, also known as CFC, warped into the system and started blasting, thus triggering the biggest conflict in any multiplayer video game up to that point. 7,500 players, 717 corporations, 55 alliances, and 11 trillion ISK lost, again, $300,000 worth of, like, player time. And the kicker of this whole thing was that it happened exactly one year to the day of the previously largest fleet battle in EVE, purely by coincidence. Wow. I'm just blown away how complex this world is, how large it is. Um, Do we know how many corpses came out of that war? Great question. Great question. And how many are buried in the cemetery? Yeah, that's that's what I was getting at. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. It is time for our interview. Please welcome to the show our guest, uh, who is a player in EVE Online, who actively works on the space graveyard. Welcome to the show, Jason Marshall. Welcome, Jason. Thank you very much. And it's actually technically the cemetery. Uh, the ac- cemetery. Thank you the so cemetery, much. To be more accurate, to be more accurate. No, it's just though though space graveyard it, it has me called that too. But officially, it is known as the cemetery. Yeah. So does that make it's like the city? Like like there's only one. Like the other there cemeteries is, aren't yeah. cool enough. No one's made one before. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the only one. That's why. <laughs> so are you the gravedigger from Hamlet? No, no, no. no. How does it feel to be a grave digger? <laughs> well, my dad was almost one at one point. He actually put himself through college back in Exeter, you in Exeter, over in Exeter University in England, doing as a grave digger before he went into the divinity, but Whoa. and decided sorry, he wanted to be what? a priest. So he was the grave digger from Hamlet <laughs> my, before so he became runs a priest. In the family, <laughs> it's, a, it's a family. It's business. a family thing. But then That's he decided it. he didn't want to be a priest and instead became an English teacher. Wow, you're da- this. I'm so happy. We ask the question. You actually, this all sounds very Hamlet y to me. Um, but seriously, what is your role in Eve? We would love to know a little bit more about the role you play at the cemetery. Right now, it's not much anymore. Once it turned into a monument, pretty much anything that Asia and the rest of us were doing kind of pretty much was done. Um, when it was active, when we first when I first sort of started helping out Asia, my role was more of a resource manager. Uh, so I joined the game played for two weeks, decided I didn't like the game, quit. About a month later, said, you know what? I never really gave it a chance. I'm going to try it once more. Redownloaded the client, installed the game, created a brand new account, and figuring I would spend maybe a week playing the game, called my character, Jay Marshall. Ran into Asia two days into my gaming, and, you know, 15 years later, I'm still playing the game. (laughs) So she sort of roped me in because she, I guess she could tell I was sort of a similarly minded person, and, and it helped that I and the other people that she hung out with and that she had in her little chat channel, we're all very similar. We're all fans of science fiction, fantasy, anime. We're all over the world. And because she sort of brought me in and got me talking to these people and it, it refreshed my interest in the game enough that I stuck with it. Within about a month, I had been introduced to what she was doing, which was she was collecting corpses and putting them in canisters around a tower she had put up mechanics in the game back in the in the early 2000 back in 2005 2006 type thing when she started doing this was that in order to put anything in space it had to be anchored 
if you anchored something out in the middle of BF nowhere, buffuck nowhere, it would despawn after a certain period of time. The, the times had changed based on how CPP had done things over the years. Sometimes I think for some objects it was, you know, by the next morning, some objects got to last a week, so the next game reset, some object, sometimes they lasted a month. It all depended really on what was going on. And CPP the is the developer? Yeah, yeah, crowd control, pro, CCP, crowd control. Pop, uh, gotcha. Then they have something called player-owned stations. Yeah, yeah, and the short form we all know is POS. And to be honest, the way they ran and had to be fueled and taken care of, a lot of the people who owned them called them that too. So player-owned stations were towers, and they came in small, medium, and large. If you put up a tower, and you had to put it up in a system that had – uh, low enough security that they let you do it. So certain, after a certain level of security, you weren't really allowed to put player-owned structures in. But at a certain security level and down, I think 0.6 and down at the time, you could, as long as you had standings with the NPC Empire, the big four that in the game, that owned that area of space. So Asia managed had the standings and put up a tower out in Amarian space in this space in this system called Molia. And she put it up next to a moon and she started anchoring the containers of the corpses next to it. Because she did that, the containers don't despawn. So as long as the tower is there and it was active, they stayed. It was a lark, I guess. She started collecting things in the beginning, and then people sort of started seeing she was doing it. So a bunch of us in the game, if we found corpses, and they do crop up here and there, we would package them up and we'd run out to the station where she had herself based out in Molia, and we'd drop it off. It was like 10, 15, 10 minute you know, journey in, in game to get it over there. And then we drop it off to her and, you know, turn around and come back to wherever we were operating out of. And, or we contract them out to her and she'd bundle over in a cargo ship and pick them up and then go back. And she'd put them in. Initially, to be honest, when we first started doing it, sometimes we didn't know. Sometimes it was just frozen corpse. And she'd like have a container that said half a dozen frozen corpses. But Every once in a while, when your ship dies, if you do leave a corpse in the game, it will actually have your name. So it might say Jay Marshall's frozen corpse, or Fred Fred's frozen corpse, or you know Matt Silverman's frozen corpse. And because of that, when she put up a, a container, she put here lies Jason Marshall, or here lies Matt Silverman, or here lies Fred Fred, or here lies Curious George, because the character had a name. People started noticing she was doing this, so people just started giving her things, or contracting corpses to her to do. So this had been going for a while. I got involved and started helping out. But the primary thing I started doing was more than just collect corpses. My character set up to be more of a sort of a trading industrial type. So I do a lot. I was doing a lot of mining. I was doing a lot of sort of exploration stuff. And because I was doing a ton of mining and doing trade stuff, like making stuff, then trading it, and then or buying and selling stuff on the market to try to make cash in the game, I was able to provide fuel for the tower because the towers have to be fueled. So myself and the people in the channel, and there were about actively, I think about seven or eight of us at the time, all going at the same time, who were there on a regular basis, plus her, um, we'd be supplying her with materials on a regular basis in order to keep the tower active. So in game wise, my character is located a huge distance from her. I'm I'm in the Kaldari Empire area and in the middle area, and she's over on the fringes of Amarian space. It's quite a distance. It literally takes about 10 minutes of travel, or um, yeah, about five to 10 minutes of travel for my character actually to, to get to where she is. So I was just mainly just once a week, I truck over a whole bunch of stuff I'd managed to get, drop it off on her doorstep and say, here you go, shove this in the tower. And then a lot of us were doing that just to keep the tower going. And if we came across corpses, 
we gave them to her and people sort of knew we were sort of limitedly where we were associated. So they would corporately, Hey, you're associated with Ozzy in the cemetery. Yeah. Okay. Can I just contract you half a dozen corpses? Sure. And then we go drop them off for, um, but mostly uh, my, let's talk about all these corpses. dozen corpses lying around where are you getting these corpses what's with this uh, what's with this corpse delivery system all right so eve's unlike other mmos for example world of warcraft is, is a huge example because a lot of people are more familiar with that one it being one of the biggest ones out there you have your character you put them in your thing you can see them make them look like you want run them around do whatever you're doing eve's primary avatar to use that term is your starship you can still make a character and he can look like something you can go in and make him look like, you know, what a bald, redhead, blonde, male, female. That is just a little sort of picture. Your avatar generally is whatever ship you're flying. When your ship gets destroyed, what's left other than the wreckage and maybe some cargo pods is usually the pod. Pod is where your character is theoretically sitting, plugged into his ship a la the Matrix type thing and doing everything sort of as if the ship is you and you are the ship. If the pod is destroyed, you, you as a player respawn basically at whatever space station you have a clone in and everybody has a backup clone uh and then you have to start you lose your ship you've lost your ship it's gone you don't get a new one you you lose it plus whatever was in it plus whatever your character had on them plus if you had money in your ship and if you were carrying cargo it's gone everything's gone every once in a while you leave a corpse so and it's not a hundred percent from what i understand but every once in a while when you blow up another player a corpse is left now and most of the time the corpse would have a name so if matt was playing the game and i was playing the game and we ran in each other and we started fighting and matt blew the crap out of my ship and then potted me which is the term for blowing up the pod where the player is it potentially would leave a corpse and it would say frozen corpse of jason marshall okay when you turn into a corpse do you have a casper the friendly ghost jason that floats away Nope. What happens is if you're playing the game and you get potted and you get died, suddenly the screen does that sort of goes to black, comes back up, and you're in the space station. You were last there where your clone is. I'm not going to lie. I really like that you just said if you get died. Um, I'm, I'm into that new terminology. Mm-hmm. Yep, I hope I don't deaded. get died. Yeah. That's just what we call it in the game. I don't expect you, you guys to understand. It's, it's highly yeah, technical. I don't want to get died. <laughs> The official the official term in the game is being potted. But you but then there's reincarnation, right? You you yes. come back to life. Oh yes. Yeah. That's the With sci-fi. Your, your consciousness, you have a you have a clone body waiting for you at your home station, and your consciousness is instantly teleported into a fully grown clone that could then goes into another ship. So is it just sort of like the whole point is just like I mean, do you have a do you have a limited number of lives or could can you reincarnate forever? Like what's even the point of well, the game having corpses? Is it just like meh, you failed? Any clone you has ha- has to be kept up. So, for example, my character has a specific number of skill points. Um, these skill points are you, you earn the skill points over time as you train your character. So my character currently is uh, basically 230 million total skill points on my character. If my clone isn't at the rating to, inc- to have, so if I have a clone that, let's say, only allows 180 million skill points, if I get potted, I lose anything over that 180 million. So all my skills will get fragged. So you don't just lose your body, you lose the skills you lose stuff. Yeah. with that that's body. If you, yeah, that's if you haven't kept your clone up. When you die and you jump into your clone, you have to purchase a new clone. 
Yeah, you don't want to get died not of a clone. No, <laughs> not without a clone to support the skill level yeah. I have, considering the time investment I've put into my character. Okay, so you're just flying around picking up corpses. I don't pick them up. Well, if I see one, I would. But again, <laughs> the only way you generally find corpses is if you're involved in player versus player action. I don't do that myself a lot. A couple of the guys who were part of that, of our uh, of our group, our chat group, they were heavy player player versus player people, and they were out doing active wars and things. And they actually were the ones who tended to find corpses more often because they just scout the battlefield afterwards and they snag a bunch of corpses and drop them off to Asia. So generally, I didn't actually find them. I think I've only ever found two corpses in my entire play history. But I've had people who knew I was involved with Asia and the cemetery come up and say, "Hey." Here you go. I've got some stuff. Can you drop this off to Asia at the cemetery? And I'm like, yeah, that's not a problem. Okay, so when someone gives you the corpse to give to Asia, what is the process for getting it an epitaph, getting it in the cemetery, etc.? Once everything was dropped off to Asia, she would put them into anchorable containers, um, and then she would, at some point, she would get in her ship one of her cargo ships and put them all in there and fly on out to the cemetery. And then she would just basically eject the, the container out and anchor it. And anchoring is just a, a game mechanic that allows you literally anchor an object basically next to something. So it doesn't float away. It doesn't orbit. It just stays in that one spot. Matt's already seen the cemetery. And if you've seen pictures of the monument, it's, it's this vast globe, uh, what looks like globe of pinpoints. And those pin, all those pinpoints are little containers. And so the tower is actually in the middle of that, where it was originally. The monument has now been erected underneath it. She would go out and she would drop one in and then you can name containers. So you can name it, you know, Jay's container or Jay's container, do not touch, or this is full of radioactive spiders. If you touch it, you're going to be Spider-Man. It doesn't matter. You can put any name in it you want. People drop containers and anchor them and put advertisements in them. Hey, come join this corporation or, hey, check out this alliance. Come and join it, etc. So she would just write whatever it is. And initially, she just literally said, here lies the corpse of so-and-so. But she started getting people who would say, hey, can you write, here's Fred Fred, he was a great pilot, pity he, got, pity he ran into an asteroid, you know, silly thing, right? Then she got the guy, there was that time, there was the first time I ever saw her react when someone asked her to put up a container with no body, but right in it, as the epitaph, you know, can you, to, to you know, to whoever, I can't remember the name of the person, um, for your loving, your loving, whatever. And it turned out it was a guy and he wanted one there for his, for it was his mother or his father had died. And he wanted the container in the game to represent his feeling of sorrow. And it kind of blew her away that someone wanted that, a real life thing. But she said, okay, I can do that. And she did. And then I guess he must have told somebody. And you know how that works. You tell somebody, they tell somebody, they tell somebody. Do you know what percentage of the cemetery is now game players versus real life people? No, I don't. Could um, you guess? Uh, I would say 10% real, maybe. 90% players. Okay. This started as a lark, you said, and has developed into something much more meaningful. Could you talk just a little bit about that, like how it's developed over time a little bit more? And like, what does this mean? Like, what did it mean to you when it started? And what does it mean to the community now? Originally, it was something fun to do with my friends online. As he had this cool thing she was doing. And so, you know, we do our own thing and then we go and we'd help her do her thing, like friends helping out other friends. It didn't become sort of a, we're all in this together until the first time someone said they were going to attack it. What an asshole! Well, he had sort of, <laughs> he had mentioned it to Asia that he wanted to attack it. And he said he was going to show up and he was going to, you know, do some damage. So 
as he had uh, basically told us in chat, there's a guy threatening to blow up this thing. He's here. So a bunch of us said, screw that, and got in whatever big combat ships we had at the time, made sure we were loaded for bear, jumped in, and basically traveled to her. We, we joined in on a, we joined into a fleet with Asia, so we were all together. That meant if he attacked her, we could all respond. And about seven or eight of us showed up, and we kind of stood there with uh, facing off against these four other guys in some very nasty-looking ships who had were basically threatening to start blowing things up. And I don't know why they were doing it. I think they were just being shit disturbers, trolling it, basically, to use that term. But Asia was genuinely upset, and we were friends, and we said, okay, we're here to help. And that's when we first sort of all kind of, I think, came together and said, you know, we got to help her more. And then we started actively, you know, feeding her materials, double checking on things, keeping an eye on things. We actively helped her, you know, buy some main defenses. So guns, missile launchers, bomb launchers, shield systems, ECM systems, all that type of stuff. All, all the various wonky, fun and wonderful toys that you can put up in science fiction games. The cemetery became something for all of us to do. It was, it was Asia's baby, and it always will be Asia's baby. And whenever it comes to the cemetery, anything that came to it, it was always Asia first. And when she stopped playing uh, a few years back, because life got in the way, as life always does, I mean, I'd let her know if something wonky was going on so that she was aware of it. We, we all had a project. <laughs> it, was our, it was our mission to keep the cemetery going. Asia realized that my, I had trained certain skills in my character to create alliances. And it meant that I could create a multi-corporational alliance, which meant that a little bit better for protection. So we created what was called the Eve Trade Alliance, which was the corporation the cemetery is part of. And it meant that if someone decided to attack the cemetery, everybody else who was part of the alliance could defend it. So the alliance consists of myself and one, two, three, four, about five or six other corporations plus the cemetery. And so it meant that all of us, regardless of how many people are in those those corporations could suddenly jump to the defense. And then along came the Goon Swarm, who are one of the largest alliances of players out there and are well known for being troublemakers and general troll artists, who came running along and decided, hey, we're going to blow this thing up and attack the tower en masse. And while there were only six or seven of us, or I think in total about 12 people showed up, they showed up with about four or 500 and proceeded to basically blow, blow them, <laughs> unload into the tower. Four Luckily, or 500 individual players? Yes. Wow. I like that if a group of people try to attack the cemetery, they end up in the cemetery. <laughs> well, sadly, it was us defending it who, were, who, who got hit. But I know, but it's kind of crazy. It's one thing yeah. to attack an in-game cemetery of players, but once there are real-world people being commemorated, it becomes a super dick move. Their basic thing initially for attacking it was, I think they were just being trolling. They were just trolling. They were just being themselves. And they they hit it, and they did some damage. And the mechanic originally, and the mechanic way it was originally was that if you do enough damage to a tower, it goes into what was called reinforced mode. You can't hurt it for 24 hours. And it gives time for whoever owns it to put supplies into it to reactivate the shield to protect it again. Um, but the goons, had, that's all they wanted to do. They wanted to blast the tower, put it into reinforced mode to basically teach us a lesson. At which point they wandered over, opened up a bunch of the containers, took a bunch of corpses, which they claimed were their people uh, who had been buried there, and they were taking them back and then left. And we were like, okay, you're 
bunch of dicks. We we Wait, know this. So you're the grave smart. digger is when you dig the holes. What's it called when grave you steal robbing. corpses? Grave. Yeah, yeah, great. Rob, yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. It's a grave yeah. robbing. The second time they actually had the guy who was running it said he was coming to take back all the corpses of the valiant Goonswarm fighters that had been illegally interred in the cemetery. And they showed up and they 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 unloaded and they they put it into reinforce mode and they said we did it, yay, jihad. And then they turned around and drove off and didn't take anything as far as I remember. They just they just but they were just, they were just basically being trolly funnies. Uh, and it's that's the Goonswarm all over. And that was the last time I think anybody actively attempted to attack it. Since then. It's largely just being left alone. People started realizing it really did no harm, and it was kind of a neat feature. And eventually, it also became one of the it's, it's one of the sights to see. And when you're doing sort of the tour of Eve, along with the Eve Gate and the and the and the Titan wreckage that's over on the Caldari homeworld and things like that. Can you tell us? Um, so we know CCP like up. Uh, they had this. They made a space. Uh, they officially recognized the cemetery as, as a massive space monument. So how has it changed? And for people like who haven't seen it, could you describe what it looks like now? Well, originally it was just, it, if you originally looked at it before they did the monument, it would look like a giant sort of globe, this giant circle around this sort of tower and little structures inside, which were the various static defenses. And about two years ago, CCP started talking about making it permanent because people were still going there. Azzy had long since stopped playing, but she knew what was going on because like I said, I kept telling her, Hey, this is going on. Hey, this is happening. Uh, last year, I was at the Toronto Fan Fest. They did Eve North, and I ran into and I had a long chat with one of the Eve guys from Eve from CCP, and he told me they were actually going to put a monument. They were thinking of putting a monument up, which Asia didn't believe me. And then I posted an article where someone had said, "Hey, look, they they they're thinking of doing this," and sent it to her. And she said, "Well, that's kind of cool, but I don't think I'll ever do it." Come on, it's not really anything important. And then CCP did it, and I actually didn't expect them to do it, but they went and did it with that last update. And so now the tower is still there. So if you go there, you'll still see the tower, and you'll still see the globe of, of containers anchored around it. Beneath it now is this huge sort of collimated thing where with a, with a pod on top, with a couple people, sort of a male and female sort of figures coming out of it, uh, like a giant like literally a giant sort of monument of raw basalt and rock basically and it has this effect on coming out of the top like a fountain style effect coming out of the top of light coming out of the top of the pod which occasionally pulses and launches sort of a pulse up through through the graveyard and it's it's huge it it it's massively outsizes the uh, the tower that's actually there the reason i think they did was was from what i understand at one point player owned stations were going to be basically phased out it would mean that when they phased out the cemetery, all the corpses would go. It would all despawn after a certain period of time. So the cemetery would be gone. But I think CCP realized what had been going on. They'd seen things. They'd read articles. People, I think, even sent emails to them and said, hey, listen, you can't let this fall. You can't let this go. I think they put in a mechanic that kept the tower there as a tower so things would remain anchored to it and wouldn't despawn because other towers went away. So eventually, they put this thing in. Now, the monument itself means is is an in-game NPC monument. It's like the in-game NPC space stations. It's a permanent structure. Attacking it is paramount to getting nuked by the in-game police system called Concord. Um, there are three of their ships patrol the cemetery, and the ships that patrol the cemetery are just 
obnoxiously powerful and nearly indestructible. Yeah, I was about to ask, like, how would you protect this? So nobody's even going to try to take this out at no, this point. Not, yeah. not, not anymore. Now that it's an NPC thing. So in high security systems, if you attack somebody who you're not at war with or who has not stolen from you and being flagged as a free kill, you get in trouble, basically. It, you're attacking an innocent, and the, the poli- in-game NPC police force, known as Concord, will come after you. And they find you wherever you are, can't escape them, um, and they will blow the crap out of you. I, yeah. I, it means that obviously it means that Azzy and I, Azzy I, and the rest of the gang, the gang from uh, from her group, we don't really have to do anything anymore. We don't have to, uh, we don't have to fuel the tower anymore. We don't have to, uh, we don't have to do protected anymore because what's what's there now is doesn't have to be fueled, and what's protecting it is way beyond anything we could ever help with. Yeah, I love that the game. Uh, gods realized that this was a significant monument that the players had built and that they actually decided to recognize it so that it couldn't be attacked or anything like that. I did want to return to the fact that you said, you know, probably about 10% of the people commemorated in the cemetery are real life people. We actually read that a U.S. diplomat who died in Benghazi uh, yeah, he was a player, if I remember correctly. Yeah, mm. and is is uh, commemorated in the cemetery. Is that correct? Um, I won't. I'm going to honestly say I'm not 100 percent sure, but I would not be surprised. Yeah, and I know the guy in Benghazi was a player, so it's possible he's he may be the someone may have done that for him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. And he was playing very shortly before yes. the attack. And from I what think I understand, I, he was actually playing and said, "Listen, there's stuff going on. I got a log yeah. logged out, and that was that." Wow. Have you seen people being commemorated who died from COVID? Not that I'm aware of yet, but it wouldn't okay. be surprising if I see if that would, if that does happen. At this point. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Yeah. Well, along those lines, I think it might be time for us to look at some of the epitaphs that are really on there. Sure. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, I, I visited. Uh, I visited recently, and I was quite moved. I really was. I, I didn't know what to expect. You know, you read about it. And doesn't do it justice. It's like you're really be, when you're really there and you're looking around. And it, I don't know. Like, well, let me ask a question from our Discord. This is from Janice Weeb, who asks a, a pretty, uh, a pretty straightforward question. Like, how many people or how many canisters are there, roughly? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think even Asia lost count. Yeah, and, <laughs> and if you and you've been there, Matt, you uh, hundreds. Maybe close to a thousand, easy. Maybe I mean at least a thousand, if not thousands. And so you see it from space, and you're like, okay, here's where it is, and you you get in there, and then you you fly into it, and you are just surrounded by these canisters, which are graves. And then so you look at them, and and you know, as Jay said, most of them are here lies whoever. But the ones I found, you know, this one is a canister named for Ishan. Uh, Berentes uh, with a date on it. It says "Miss You, Nephew," which is uh, you know that's kind of sad. Or that the, you know the dates are a little too close together. So you know a, yeah. a, a, a child or a teenager who passed away. Uh, here lies William Penn. Miss You, Granddad. Uh, here lies Timmy Dunn, a friend to many, brother to one. Here lies Jennifer Jason Robertson with a date. Thank you for raising me, cousin. I love you. So a canister commemorating R.I.P. Stephen Hawking. Obviously, I don't think Stephen Hawking was uh, playing Eve, but uh, you know when he died, it was a blow to the to the science community. Of course, here lies Doug Williams, a beloved uncle taken before his time. 
again, these could be in-game characters just with fun epitaphs commemorating them, but I think I think they're oh, personal. They're real world. They're and real, like, yeah. Yeah, they are real world. And I think that was why um, CCP decided to keep it, was because Absolutely. it went from being a kooky thing this young woman was doing just because she thought it was kind of funny to do to a semi-serious project that she roped all of us into. And I won't ever regret that. I think it was the fun, it's the most fun thing I've ever had as an active thing in the game. And as is a wonderful woman. And uh, my only regret is I've never been able to actually meet her in person, even though she lives where all my family comes from. I'm a first generation Canadian. My mom and my dad's from Yorkshire. My mom's from uh, Cornwall and I have tons of family back over there. And my one regret is I've never been able to go over and meet her and actually shake her hand and say this is so much fun there's still time oh yeah well we'll we'll see well, depends on how we all weather this whole thing <laughs> well thank you so much jason for taking the time to speak with us we have clarified you are not the grave digger from hamlet but you're doing very cool work <laughs> an inspiring gold digger uh, not really. mm. gold digger uh, you guys get uh, it gold like gold like gold yeah. yeah, I suppose, maybe. You know what? I'll see myself out. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I would love to see this monument. Um, I've only seen a picture, but like you describing, Matt, what it's like to be there. It sounds, it is like, it's awe-inspiring, right? To be Yeah, present it really was. It. Yeah. It was, it was, it was peaceful. It was, it was moving, you know, because like, you're looking at this like list of uh, uh, probably a thousand things and it's just a lot of text. And then all of a sudden you see, you know, here lies my, my nephew or whatever. And it's like, Oh my God. Wow. Okay. And you're, you were, you're right up next to it. I don't know. It's, it's, it's special. This was nice. Yeah. Are there pets on there? Is uh, you said cemetery? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely some, definitely some here's my, my buddy, you know, Rex or whatever, stuff like that. Um, Yeah. Cool. The, the other thing, the, the other thing I loved about Jay's interview was like when he was describing like when the cemetery was threatened, and it's like that's the Star Wars shit that I want from a video game where yeah. it's like real players and you get a message and you're like, hey, uh, these fucking goons are gonna threaten this thing. Like, w- w- I need help. And you get a message delivered by Droid, and it pops out. It's a hologram, and it says, "Help me, yes. Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope." Exactly. And then you rush, you all your, you and your friends rush to that star system and fight this battle in real time and hopefully stave off these jerks. Like, I feel like I'll be into that in VR, but just staring at screens more. Can't do it. (laughs) Can't do it. Well, I'm glad we're all not being dead. This has been great. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) For all of y'all, we, as always, would love to hear from you. What do we want to know from our wonderful listeners this week? I would like you to write epitaphs for me and Jen in haiku form and tweet them to us at Allie Gold. Mm -hmm. And at June Bugger. That extremely morbid, but uh, okay. (laughs) But it could be Uh, interesting. Could Could be be interesting. I love it. Could be great. Um, Okay. You can also email us at 2g1podcast at gmail.com. You can text us or leave us a voicemail. Exciting times. You heard a voicemail today. Please keep them coming. That number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And join our Discord server. If you haven't gotten the point by now, 
It's a great place to be. It's discord.gg slash 2G1P. Listeners of the show are coming and communing with one another. Um, they're suggesting show topics. Uh, they're providing questions for the show. So please, we want to see you there. We'd, we'd love to have you. And Ali, if they'd like to contribute, how do they do that? You can go to patreon.com slash 2G1P. And remember, if you contribute $50 or more, Matt's going to incorporate you into the intro. Maybe they have to have already done it for a couple months, Matt. So it's not like they get in, they get in. Oh, no, but then you could remove them. If you're going to put 50 bucks in, you're in. Okay. No matter what. You heard it here. Matt's the one that's going to have to do it. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. We will see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. assistance is provided by the podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A sonic universe. Uh, Do you need to orgasm on microgreens? Okay. (laughs) So glad you asked. Can we write that down?